Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Thank you. Good morning, Gateway. So good to be with you this weekend. And we had a, a fantastic man camp. Any guys at the camp? Like I said, it was great. A lot of fun. Uh, four-wheel driving, clay pigeon shooting, cave hiking, golfing, a lot of fun, a lot of fellowship around the fire, a lot of food. The barbecue was happening and uh, just a fantastic time and some great ministry and so really enjoy being with all the men over the man camp. So if you missed out, uh, I'm sure there'll be another one coming up next year. So thank you for your welcome. Think highly of Gateway Church. Got a great history, great heritage, but more importantly, great things happening today. And so appreciate Jason and Susan and the leadership team here, all the campuses. So it's, it's a great church. It's talking about you. <laughs> Come on, give yourself a big clap. Yes. Seriously. Uh, the church you go to should be the best church in the city because you're there. Uh, hey, today I want to share uh, a few thoughts around building God's house. Building God's house. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I will build my church. And uh, he's still doing that. We know the church is not a building. Uh, Jesus is building people. The church is a, a community of people doing life together and reaching out to impact communities, cities, and nations. And so Jesus is building his church. We are the church. But in, in another way, we're also called to help him build the church. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, I am a fellow builder, a co-worker with Jesus helping to build the church. And so in many ways, all of us, if you're a person of faith here today, we are to be builders of God's house. He wants us on the building site. And if you've ever been on a building site, if you're going to help the building, you need some tools. Uh, tools haven't changed much over the years. We've got a hammer still doing work. We've got a saw or maybe a shovel or a screwdriver. Uh, of course, nowadays we've got power tools. All the guys get really excited when I say power tools. Uh, they're pretty amazing. And so today I want to share seven power tools, just a few minutes on each, that you have. The question is not do you have them, but are you using them? Um, I think it's John Maxwell who says most of us are educated beyond the level of our obedience. You can say ouch to that. In other words, we know a lot of things. Uh, we don't necessarily need to know new things, but we need help doing the things we already know. So we're going to look at seven power tools today that all of us have. You don't need to go to Bible college for these. Uh, all of us have these tools, but I want to encourage you to be taking them out of the toolbox, as it were, and using them because they are incredibly powerful to build the church that Jesus is building. How does that sound for this morning? Nice. Going to do it anyway but I thought I'd just check with you. All right, first tool we're going to talk about is the tool of love. Love is an amazingly powerful tool. Let's look at 1 Peter 4, verses 8 to 9. Peter's writing to a, a community of believers, much like Gateway back in the first century. Above all, he says, it's a pretty important tool, above all, love each other deeply because love will cover a multitude of sins, faults, mistakes, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So simple, but he's reminding them with all the stuff you get busy doing, above all, don't forget there's this powerful tool called love. Uh, sometimes people wonder what makes a great church. 
Is it, is it the building? Is it the comfortable seats? Is it the gifts? Is it the anointing of the Spirit? Is it the size of the church? Uh, what, what actually makes the great church? I don't think it's the size. How many know if your neighbors have seven in their family and you've got four, it doesn't mean they've got a better family than you? They've just got a bigger family. Big is not always better. No, the measure of a great church is the love that's in this church. Uh, you, you, you never will read a letter from Paul saying to a church, I hear you've broken the 200 barrier. It's just not there. But he'll write to Thessalonica and say, hey, I hear the love you have for each other's growing. The real measure of a great church is the love that's in that church. But not just love for each other. Uh, Peter says here, offer hospitality. That word means to look out for the visitor, the newcomer, the, the one that's standing alone. And you know, sometimes we can come to church and we can be friendly with our friends. <laughs> hey, good to see you. How are you going? But it's, it's not being friendly with our friends. It's looking out for that person who may be visiting. Uh, Funny story, there was a a person looking for a church in Brisbane, um, and they visited 18 churches on consecutive Sundays. They may actually be here today. They always sat near the front of the auditorium, and after the service, they'd walk slowly to the back, and then they'd come to the front using a different aisle. They would uh, dress nicely, they would smile, they would make a point to initiate a conversation with at least one person, and they'd remain for coffee if it was served. This was their scale for rating the friendliness of the churches they visited over 18 consecutive Sundays. 10 points for a smile from someone else. 10 points. Someone actually smiled at them. 10 points. 10 points for a greeting. Hi. 10 points for for a greeting. 100 points if someone exchanged names with them. Hi, Hi, my name's Mark. Rochelle, lovely to meet you. A hundred points if someone actually exchanged names. Uh, 200 points if they were invited to another service. Hey, Rochelle, there's, there's a women's event coming up. I reckon you really enjoy that. Two, 200 points if that happened. Uh, another 1,000 points if they were introduced to another person. Hey, hey Rochelle, c- come and meet Lauren over here. Uh, a thousand points if that happened, and this is probably a little overrated, 2,000 points if they were invited to meet the pastor. <laughs> Rochelle, you've got to meet Jason and Susan here. 2,000 points if that happened. So this, this was their rating scale, and after they visited the 18 churches for 18 weekends, this were the, these were the results. 11 of the 18 churches earned less than 100 points. And five churches received less than 20 points. And this was the person's conclusion. The doctrine may be biblical, the singing inspirational, the sermon uplifting, like it is this morning, but when visitors find that nobody cares if they are there, they are unlikely to return. I'm telling you that that, that's so true. People will drive past multiple churches to find a place where it matters that they're there. And so this is such an amazing tool. Uh, I, a few years ago when I was pastoring, would hang in the foyer after the service and I was meeting some new people. I said, hey, how are you going? Uh, uh, you're new, what's your names? And they'd be coming for a few weeks. I said, how are you settling in? I said, you know, the first weekend we were here, you had that little greeting time, and someone turned around and, and, and introduced themselves, and they invited us out for lunch. We've been here ever since. 
I said, what, what were their names? And they gave me their names, and they were uh, uh, some seniors in our church. You know, they've never been up on the platform. They've never preached the sermon. They've never had a microphone in their hand. But that act of hospitality did as much to build our church as any sermon I've ever preached. Thank you. It, it gets better. You'll have another opportunity. <laughs> the tool of love. Just being hospitable, just looking out for the new person, just going up and a smile. You know, we don't have video. We don't have a video of Jesus. We don't really know what he looked like, but it tells me something. When children ran towards Jesus, what kind of person do children run towards? Come on, someone with a smile, not someone baptized in lemon juice. Just a smile, learning someone's name. I cannot overemphasize the power of love and hospitality. Obviously, it goes beyond friendliness to community and connecting. Uh, but church is not something you go to. It's something you're a part of. And so this is a very powerful tool. I want to encourage you to keep using this tool of love. Number two, second tool is to serve. Let's keep reading First Peter He's talked about love, and then in verse 10, he says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So he assumes that every one of us have gifts. We have abilities. We have talents. <laughs> so we've got this tool, but he says use. Everyone say use. Use your gifts to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Uh, the church has been referred to as a body with many members. I think today we could see the church as a team. And uh, uh, a team needs everyone involved. Uh, God himself models teamwork. Uh, we, we serve one God revealed as three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And you see Father, Son, and Spirit in the work of creation and Father, Son, and Spirit in the work of redemption. Team is God's model for leadership and for ministry. Moses didn't understand this. How many know Moses was the first one-man band? He tried to do everything himself. Again, he had a tough job because he didn't have a nice church like Gateway. He had a few hundred thousand people, and they were really grumpy people. In fact, some days Moses wanted to kill them. Like he wanted to kill them, and God's saying, no, Moses, you can't do that. Other days, God wanted to kill Israel, and Moses is saying to God, God, you can't do that. It's a good thing for Israel, Moses and God didn't have a bad day on the same day. <laughs> so this is a tough church. But, but see, Moses was trying to do it all himself. He was being the counselor, the, the preacher, the organizer. He had lines of people waiting to see him. And it took his father-in-law, Jethro, to say, Hey, hey Mo, <laughs> this isn't working. You're wearing yourself out. Raise up some other leaders, some other people. And so here at Gateway, it's, it's not a one-person show. We need every one of you on the team and involved and contributing. And, you know, not everyone's going to be prominent. Not everyone's going to be up on the stage, but every one of us are significant. Significant, you know? Uh, maybe you're in kids' ministry. Sometimes I talk to people in kids' ministries, and they'll say, I'll say, oh, where are you serving the church? Oh, I'm just a kids' volunteer. Never say, I'm just a anything. My favorite kids' ministry story is apparently D.L. Moody, a well-known evangelist years ago, uh, he had a meeting, and someone said, how did the meeting go? He says, oh, really well. Two and a half people got saved. Two and a half people, uh, what, two adults and one child? He says, no, 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 two children and one adult. <laughs> See, the children have their whole life in front of them. The adult's life is half over. <laughs> Never say, I'm just a children's worker. 
got children's workers out there now. They're not babysitting kids. They're, they're impact, inputting their lives for, for eternity. Never say I'm just a children's worker. Never say I'm just an usher, just a hospitality team member. Just handing out some bags today. <laughs> My favorite usher story is apparently years ago there was a big tent meeting and the tent was so full that uh, people couldn't find a seat. Two teenagers were trying to get into the meeting and they they got frustrated, so they started to leave and go home, and an usher saw it and said, hey, hey, guys, don't, don't, don't leave. Don't, don't leave. I'll find your seat. And the usher pushed in and found two seats for these teenagers. One of those teenagers' name was Billy Graham. Never say I'm just an usher. You know, what you do may not be seen up front, but God sees. And every one of us make a significant contribution. And so I want to encourage you, don't just come to Gateway, be a part of Gateway. When you begin to serve, you say, that's my church. There's a sense of ownership. And you know, one of the challenges with a church like McKenzie Campus, you walk in here today, you go, wow, this is amazing. They obviously don't need me around here. I can tell you there's no ministry here that has a no vacancy sign over it. Jesus said that the harvest is great, but we need more workers, more volunteers. And uh, as Gateway continues to grow and impact, you're going to see about 100 or so people leave. There'll be some empty seats. What a wonderful opportunity to reach more people, to raise up some more volunteers, some more ministries. And so I want to encourage you. Are you serving? Uh, many of you are, and, and be blessed. Some of you maybe haven't taken the time to get involved. Again, serving's our whole life, your vocation, uh, your parent, uh, serving's our whole world, but contributing to our church is a very powerful tool. Can I have an amen on that one? Amen. All right, excellent. Third tool. So number one is love, just being hospitable, looking out for that person, building community relationships. Number two, uh, you can't do everything, but everyone can do something. Where are you serving? What gifts do you have? What are you passionate about? Number three is to worship. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. You know, worship is a lifestyle. It's 24-7. It's not just an event on a weekend. But, but something special does happen when we gather together. You know, even Jesus had a habit of attending Worship gatherings. Luke 4.16 says Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as was his custom. <laughs> you know, Jesus had a habit of attending the synagogue. It doesn't say Jesus went to the synagogue when Rabbi so-and-so was speaking. <laughs> no, Jesus had a custom. He had a habit of gathering with the community of faith. If Jesus did that, well, how important for you and I to, to gather. Now, there's times when we're away and stuff's happened, but, but, but to meet together. And it's actually a tool for building the church. Of course, being here is one thing. How we come and how we contribute is very, very important. I told in the first service a uh, story uh, back in the 1990s. I was involved in the worship ministry in our church and uh, done some recording and songwriting, and I was invited to be a part of um, a worship uh, event around the country with an Afro-American worship leader named Ron Canoli. Anyone remember Ron Canoli? Lift him up. So last century, isn't it? Uh, so I was uh, in, the, in, in the band playing keyboards, and uh, we were going around the country, Adelaide and Melbourne and Sydney, Brisbane, Toowoomba, 
and uh, it, it was a great tour. Uh, Ron had a song list that, that he used and a couple of stories he told. Pretty much it was the same kind of format each night. And so uh, these were difficult songs. This wasn't this is the day, like, like the music had kind of changed. So, um, you know, I, I did a lot of preparation, a lot of practice. And so we, we went to the first city, a, a big church, which I won't mention. And we got there early. We had a great rehearsal, a uh, great sound check. We had a really powerful prayer time. Like we were prepped. We were ready to go for this worship experience. Well, uh, we started and it was just one of those meetings that were just a little bit flat. You kind of wondered where God was. Like, it just was really hard going. And so Ron's doing his best. We're doing our best. And, and so the meeting finished and uh, said hello to a few people, packed up our gear, went back to the hotel. The next day, we were flying to a, a different city, to another church. And the, the flight was so late that we actually got there and the meeting was about to start. The place was full. We couldn't have a, a, a rehearsal. We didn't have a sound check. I'm not even sure we prayed other than help us God and we're on stage. Like it was just straight on. So Ron did the same song, same stories. The meeting just was electric. It's just hard to describe. It was so dynamic and Ron was released and it was like heaven came down and glory filled our souls. You know, it was just one of those meetings. And I'm sitting over here, you know, playing the keyboards, grand keyboards, and I'm thinking... What was different tonight than last night? Tonight we didn't practice and we didn't pray. Maybe that's the key to a good meeting. Because <laughs> that's the truth. We didn't rehearse. We didn't pray. And I, I learned something powerful. As I sat there for two consecutive nights, I realized what happened the second meeting had nothing to do with us on stage and everything to do with the people in that auditorium. See, the first night, people came to spectate. It was kind of, uh, yeah, who's this Afro-American guy? Ron Canoli. Yeah, on your Ron. It, it was just, the attitude was a bit like that. On the second night, people were excited. They were expected. They were responsive. And I learned something. There's something called the corporate anointing. We kind of think a good meeting is, let's hope this guest speaker is halfway decent today. Um, let's hope uh, Mark and, and Izzy are really prepped. You know, we, we think that a good meeting is what happens up here, and, and it's important. But this is only half of the equation. What happens here determines the dynamic of a meeting. It really does. You know, it, it, even Jesus had a few meetings that didn't go well. Like, like not many miracles. And you kind of go, Jesus, hey, you, you know, you're dropping your game, man. Didn't you pray? Talk to yourself today? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus had some meetings that didn't go well. And you know why? Because there was resistance. There wasn't faith. There wasn't responsiveness. And so I just mentioned this to say it's not just being here on the weekend, but how we come from the left to the right, from the back to the front. You all contribute to the dynamic of what God does in a meeting. Uh, my friend Phil Baker pastored for many years in uh, Perth. Jason knows Phil, a uh, witty guy, and he, he told me one time after a church service that uh, a woman came up and goes, hey, Pastor Phil, I, I, I don't mean to complain, but I, I didn't get anything out of the worship today. And Phil, with a straight face, just sincerely said, I'm so sorry. There's been a misunderstanding. We weren't worshiping you.
Priceless, huh? <laughs> Priceless. It's funny, but it's true. See, the question when we go from here today is not, did you enjoy the worship? It's, did God get anything out of our worship today? Because it's actually for Him. It's for Him. Amen? And, you know, I love sport, and I, I love to go to sports games and watch fans, you know, fanatic people, and real fans get to the game early. Have you noticed that? Not, not Christian standard time. They get there early. They, they run for the front seats. I was at the game last week. They run for the front seats. Real fans turn up regardless of the weather. Come on. And if the game goes into time on, you'll never see a real fan going, when's this thing going to finish, man? Like this has gone a bit over today, hasn't it? You never hear a fan complaining that the game's going a little bit long. Uh, even quiet, introverted people will morph. And you go, where did that come from? <laughs> Unbelievable. You, you know, sports tickets, the price goes up every year. Ne never will you hear a real fan complain. You know, tithing's been at 10% for about 3,000 years now. <laughs> Hasn't gone 11, 12, 13. I'm sure pastors have talked about it, Jason, but it's still at about 10%. Uh, you know, real fans, it's amazing their attitude to the game. Hey, I reckon there's some real Jesus fans in Gateway here. Come on. Some Jesus fans. And so I want to encourage you. Worship is such a powerful dynamic to uh, reveal God's presence and God's power and so make sure you're, you're using this tool. Don't, don't just be here, be here. And be a part of the atmosphere and what God is doing. Thank you, Mark. Good preaching today. You're doing really well. Sorry, just encouraging myself a little bit. Another tool, number four, is to pray. First Timothy 2, 1 to 4. I urge then, Paul writes, first of all, another one of these important tools, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority or leadership, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Uh, prayer is another powerful tool in your toolbox. And uh, Paul says, pray. Bring your requests. Bring your, your issues, your challenges to God. Uh, pray for yourself. Pray for your family, your world. Pray for all people. Uh, he does say particularly pray for leaders those in authority. And so I want to encourage you, a, a great tool you have in your toolbox is to, to pray for your leaders, obviously our national leaders and leaders at work and community, but also to pray for church leaders. Pray for church leaders. It's a powerful tool. Um, I'm not a believer. I, I, I've been a pastor. I've been on church staff. And I don't believe church leaders or pastors necessarily work harder than other people. How many know we all work hard? Uh, some people hardly work, but, but most of us work hard. Uh, so I, I'm not a person who reckons church leaders are necessarily harder workers, but there are some unique challenges. Uh, Jason didn't ask me to say this. I'm just giving you some little inside information here. There's some unique challenges of being a, a church leader, a staff member. Uh, first of all, the work is never done. There's never a moment in your time when you go, it's finished. In fact, on Friday, if you listen to Talkback Radio, someone would be going, thank God it's Friday. If you listen to pastors, they're going, oh God, it's Friday. <laughs> because the week's busy, but the weekend's coming. 
you know, a lot, of, a lot of church staff have been at a men's camp for 24 hours and they've got two, three meetings today. Like, like work's never done. It's never finished. Uh, secondly, there are no boundaries for this work. It's not nine to five. It'll fill and spread as much of your world as you allow it to. That's one of the unique challenges similar to business owners. Uh, success actually creates pressure. You know, you preach a ripper of a sermon this week, that's the, that's the new standard. Better be better next week. Not in Gateway, but other churches, you know. Um, amazingly, not everyone likes you. Like, it's just surprising because we're incredibly nice people. But, but you just can't seem to please everybody all the time. Someone wants more of this or less of this. or The, the, the lights are too bright or they're a little bit too dark or music was a bit loud. Hey, music was quiet today. You know, again, not in Gateway, but in other churches, this kind of stuff happens, you know. You just can't please everyone all the time, you know. And, and sometimes you become a visible person. You get recognized when you don't want to be recognized. I remember years ago on, on a day off with my wife, we went to a shopping center. She's shopping. I just went into the men's toilet. I'm at the urinal you know, doing what guys do, and someone leans over and goes, excuse me, are you Mark Connor? <laughs> True story. I thought, man, you can't even pee in peace. <laughs> He'd met me at a conference and wanted a little chat, you know? <laughs> Not now! <laughs> anyway, why am I saying all this? I'm just saying, you know, look, pastors don't necessarily work harder than anyone else, but there are some unique challenges to the ministry, and so... I want to just encourage you, pray for your leaders. Pray for your ministry leaders. Pray for your pastors. Lift up their hands. Encourage them. Don't let them only hear from you when you're not happy. You know, we call those seagull managers. You, know? you never see them, and then they flap in, dump on you, and then flap out. <laughs> no one likes to work for someone like that. You know? Encourage your leaders. Get behind them. Pray for them. It's a powerful tool. Can't underestimate it. Uh, what are we up to? Number four, number five, couple more, and then we'll have you out for afternoon tea. Lunch, I mean. Uh, number five, I think we're up to, protect the unity. Ephesians 4 verse 3, make every effort. Everyone say the word effort. effort. Sounds a bit like work, doesn't it? This, this, gonna be, this tool's a little heavy. Uh, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. United Gateway will stand, divided it will fall. And uh, it's inevitable in every church that someone will annoy you. Um, I, I said in the first service, every church has what I call Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper. They just kind of rub you, they just annoy you, they rub you the wrong way. They, 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 you know, if you haven't been offended at Gateway, you haven't been here long enough. It, it, it's going to happen. Jesus said it's inevitable, offenses will come. Um, and a little tip, you know, you can leave Gateway and go to another church. Mr. and Mrs. Sandpaper have cousins everywhere. <laughs> it just happens. So, so the issue is not, are you going to be offended? Are you going to be annoyed? Is a conflict going to happen? That's not the issue. The issue is, what will you do when you are annoyed, when you are offended, when you are in a conflict? What, what, what will you actually do about that? Uh, you will either protect the unity or you will see division and discord flow. Ha happens so easy. I I'll pick on Derek here. Derek and I have a little argument, intense fellowship, we could call it, and he's annoyed and I'm annoyed and he goes away and I'm upset. He goes and talks to Rochelle and says, yeah, Mark Connor's got a bit of an anger problem. Rochelle says, really, really, he, he looks like a nice guy. You know? uh, Rochelle's talking to Abby and says, hey, just be careful, that Mark Connor's a violent man. 
just, just keep your distance. And, you know, Abby's talking to Tim and says, you know, I don't think Mark's the real deal. I think he's a bit of a con artist, you know, conner, con, con man. And, and Tim's talking to Lauren and says, hey, you know, Mark Connor's an axe murderer. <laughs> how many can see it's got a little out of hand here? And how many know when I'm hanging around Tim and Lauren, they're a little cool towards me? And I kind of go, what, what's the deal? Con man, axe murderer. Now, again, this doesn't happen in Gateway, but in other churches, this kind of stuff, it, it, it actually happens. How many know it's all Derek's fault? Yeah. That's the biggest amen in this sermon, Derek. <laughs> see, see, Derek and I have had this conflict, and Jesus said, you know, when someone annoys you, ticks you off, go. Everyone say go. Go. And I have, a, I have a Master of Arts in Theology, a Doctor of Ministry, and I've studied a little Greek. And, you know, the English word go in the Greek language, if you go back to the original etymology of the word go, uh, the English word go in Greek, it actually means go. <laughs> this is really deep for Sunday morning. It doesn't mean pass it on. It doesn't mean share. It doesn't even mean pray. It means God. And you know, if Derek and I can sort it out here, we don't need this happening in the church. What, what, what a difference that would make if we just obeyed Jesus and sorted it out. See, see, we all carry two buckets everywhere, one of kerosene, one of water. And you'll hear little rumors and spot fires, and you can put the kerosene on it and go, really? And then what did they say? And then what happened? And... You can spread that rumor, or you can bring the bucket of water out and go, are you sure? That, that doesn't quite sound like them. Hey, maybe we should go and have a chat to them. Protect the unity of the church. It's one of the most powerful and most underutilized tools, but what a difference it makes. Uh, value being reconciled more than being right. Value the relationship more than the issue. Such a powerful Tool. Two more. Number six, I think it is, is to give. Don't, don't worry, there's not another offering in this meeting. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Uh, giving financially. You know, the gospel's free, but it actually costs money to do ministry and to impact a city and a community. And so if all of us would just give the first part of our income, there'll be more than enough for the vision God has for Gateway. Uh, again, in the New Testament, the focus is more on generosity than just a tithe. How many know you can't sing, I surrender 10%? <laughs> surrender 10%. No, no, you know, I surrender 10%. We surrender all. All we have belongs to God. But giving the first part is a reminder that God is our source. Um, I see lots of families here, and um, maybe you've had this experience, mums, dads, of taking your little angels um, to McDonald's, you know, the Golden Arches restaurant. And uh, have you ever bought your little daughter, son, uh, maybe a Happy Meal? And when you bought it, you weren't hungry, but as they're opening up the Happy Meal, you look at those fries, and they're hot, and they've got salt on them. And you, you reach over, and you go, can daddy or mummy have one? And, and your little angel goes, No. Come on, work with me. Don't look so spiritual today. <laughs> and you know, when that happens, what do you think? You know what I think? I think, I paid for those fries. And then I think, I don't need your fries. I've got enough money to go buy all the fries I'll ever need. And then I think, I can make sure while you live under my roof, you never have a fry again. <laughs> again, I don't say that, but that's what's going on in my mind. 
And I think God is a bit like that. When we're tight-fisted, when we kind of get a little stingy, I think God feels that way. Because how many know God's the fry maker? <laughs> you know that money, that house, that job that you have? You know, where did it come from? God gave it to you. you know? And if you hang on to your stuff, it's just going to shrink and shrivel and go cold and soggy. <laughs> but if you're willing to share your fries... Uh, God can keep cooking up more fries. There's plenty more where that came from. If God can get stuff through you, he'll keep getting stuff to you. And so have you, have you taken this step of giving, of uh, supporting God's work? It's, it's an amazing blessing if you'll do so. Final tool is to reach out, and we're cruising towards the possibility of a finish now. Reach out. Number seven, um, I love Luke 15. Jesus is hanging out with some tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and um, the religious people are getting a little nervous about the kinds of people Jesus is having meals with and he tells three stories. Um, a story of a lost sheep, a story of a lost coin, and a story of two lost sons. Um, one who was irreligious and one who was religious. They were both as lost as each other. In fact, when you're lost and you don't know you're lost, that's actually a more, it's a more dangerous lostness than when you're lost and you know you're lost. Did I lose you? <laughs> anyway, that's another, another story. So we've got, we got these uh, lost items, and um, when the, the sheep and the coin are found and the son is, is rejoicing, look at verse 7, Luke 15. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, turns around, than 99 righteous who don't need to repent. I think heaven's a joyful place. I reckon the joy level in heaven's pretty high. When we're getting up, having breakfast today, heaven's joyful. When we're here singing today, and Tim and Izzy are leading us, heaven's joyful. When praying over Andrew and Megan and the team, new church starting, baby, pregnancy, expansion, church, heaven's joyful. When Jason's making some announcements, heaven's joyful. Hopefully when the preaching's on today, heaven's still joyful. Heaven's joyful. But one thing causes the joy level to go up. There's more joy in heaven when one person turns around, connects with God. That, that tells us that mission, outreach, evangelism is heaven's priority. And it needs to be ours too. You know, if you think about it, most churches exist for three reasons. We're here to love God, love each other, and reach the world. Yes? If we're only here for the first two reasons, we must go to heaven right now. Because up in heaven, we'll see God face to face. <laughs> up in heaven, you'll be perfect. You'll be easier to love. So if we're only here to love God and love each other, we might as well go to heaven right now. When we baptize you, we might as well just hold you under a little longer. <laughs> Bubbles, all gone, straight to heaven, no backsliding, see you on the other side. <laughs> if you're visiting, they don't do that at Gateway. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not here just to love God and love each other. We're here because God is long-suffering, not wanting anyone. To miss out. The Bible says God does not want anyone to perish, but everyone come to eternal life. That tells me God is at least a hopeful universalist. It's okay, Jason will explain that later. God's intention is that everyone would respond. And you've got to believe he's actually working to make that a reality. Now, obviously, people have to choose and respond to God's love. And so reaching out, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're not all gifted evangelists, but 
we can all participate in the work of evangelism. Um, if you think about your own faith journey, we all come through a process. Some people say, say it's like a chain with many links. Sometimes you're the first link, the first Christian someone meets. Sometimes you're the, the last link who has the joy of seeing someone begin a relationship with God. Most of the time, we'll be the middle links. Just don't be the missing link. And so you don't have to do the whole journey. You don't have to be guilty about moving a person from here to here. you just got to be participating with what God's doing in people's lives. I'll finish with this story. We uh, had some holidays years ago up in Queensland, heading out to Green Island to do some snorkeling. Uh, I'm pretty tired. been a busy ministry year. We're on the ferry heading out. Some people crossed from it just said hello. Um, they were from Sri Lanka, so we introduced ourselves. Went out, snorkeled for the day. Uh, we're on the way back, and we're chatting to the game to them again and found out they were moving to Melbourne. Said, hey, look, we're from Melbourne. and If you don't mind exchanging numbers, maybe we can give you a hand when you get down there. That was it. So we got back to Melbourne. Uh, city life, which I was leading at that time, is very multicultural, 105 nationalities. So I found a Sri Lankan family, Raj and Shamla. I said, hey, I met this couple uh, snorkeling. Uh, they're coming to Melbourne. Would you mind looking out for them? Um, forgot totally about it. Uh, unbeknownst to me, when this couple came to Melbourne, uh, Raj and Shamala had them stay in their home for 10 days. They helped them find a rental. They helped him get settled into his job. They showed him around Melbourne. Uh, they were hospitable to them. And then on, on Sunday, they said, hey, we go to church. Do you, you, want, you want to come along? And you know, he had a bit of Buddhist background. She'd kind of heard of Jesus. And they said, yeah, yeah, we'll come along. So they came along to City Life Church. They're sitting up the back. And uh, after worship time, I got up to speak. I, I forgot to tell them I was a pastor. Um, I, I don't have my snorkeling gear on now. And I'm talking about the Holy Spirit or whatever on that weekend. And at the end, we had some prayer teams like you do at Gateway. They both walked down the front and began a relationship with Jesus. Now, I mentioned that not to promote me. I miss as many opportunities as I take. I mean, really, just think about it. We just, we just blessed these people. We built a relationship with them. We met needs sincerely, and they were open. And I'm telling you, every one of us can participate this way. Your position strategically. See, go into all the world. The Greek word is cosmos, which means the society that exists. And every one of you are not only going to different geographical, geographical areas of Brisbane, but some of you are out in education, some of you are in sports, some of you are in the neighborhood, some of you are in politics, some of you are out there in arts and entertainment. We're all uniquely positioned just to be a part of seeing people come closer to knowing there's a God who loves them. It's an amazing, powerful tool. So, final slide coming up now. My goal today is not to give you seven more things to do. <laughs> You're busy people. But, but which tool uh, did God just kind of tap you on the shoulder about today? Maybe it's love. It's, maybe it's before rushing off. It's just looking around and seeing, is, is there anyone standing alone today? Maybe that's your response. Or, or maybe you've been sitting here enjoying Gateway and you know, there's a bunch of people going out next week. Uh, I tell you what, there's many ministry opportunities. And so maybe it's time for you to talk to a staff member and say, I'd love to serve. Where could you fit? Uh, maybe it's a little different attitude to the, the gathering on the weekend. Maybe it's giving. I don't know. What one tool did God speak to you about? Uh, maybe some of us here are so busy building our house, we're not even putting God's house first. If you put God's house first, he'll build your house. Or maybe you're doing all these things and you're wondering where the blessing is. Well, sometimes there's a delay between sowing and reaping. But imagine a community of believers where everyone is loving, serving, worshiping, praying, protecting the unity, giving and reaching out. 
I tell you what, you'll have a church in revival. And that's God's will. That's, that's God's plan for Gateway. And it's happening. And I pray that you'll be a part of it. Everyone said amen. amen. Let me pray with you as our worship team comes. God, thank you for this time together today. We're covered a fair bit. Bit of a buffet, smorgasbord. And, and I just pray today that you would just help each person know exactly what you've said to them today. They wouldn't just hear the message, but they'd do something with it. And as we all use these tools, Lord, I'm so excited about Gateway, its, uh, its future, the impact that's going to increase and go from strength to strength as everyone contributes. And so bless people today. As they put your house first, bless their house. Anyone that doesn't know you here today, reveal yourself to them. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' wonderful name. Everyone said amen. Come on, give God a big clap today. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more. 